Hunter Talk, a fan podcast devoted to the adventures of 23rd century bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair from the pages of Trekker Comics by creator, writer, and artist Ron Randall. I'm Ruth. And I'm Darren. And normally we talk about Trekker, the wonderful comics written and illustrated by Ron Randall about sci-fi bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair. But this time we have another one of our occasional tangent episodes. In the past, we featured an episode talking about Ron Randall's time on the Supergirl comic to celebrate that TV series, as well as an episode about Ron Randall's time on the Star Wars comic to coincide with the release of the recent movie. And we wanted to do something similar this time to coincide with the release of a little movie you might not have heard about. It's a movie called Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. You may not be familiar with it because, as the V in the title surely suggests, It's apparently a slow-paced legal drama that I'm sure is filled with lots of courtroom intrigue, but little action, so it may not appeal to the typical Trekker fan. Okay, obviously we're attempting to make a little joke about the title of that movie. Apparently they decided a title like Batman vs. Superman, using a VS instead of a V, was just one too many letters. So they shortened the title to Batman v. Superman, even though that abbreviation is generally only used in court cases. But based on the trailers, I think we're safe to say that there will be lots of action in this movie. And as we're sure most of you know, there is a lengthy series of movies featuring the members of DC Comics Justice League coming up over the next few years. So we've decided to celebrate these movies by covering Ron Randall's time working on DC Comics Justice League. Ron Randall spent a couple of years working with the Justice League on the title Justice League Europe, which later became Justice League International. And we're planning to cover individual story arcs from those issues to coincide with the release of the various Justice League movies. In this episode, we're going to cover the Justice League Spectacular from March 1992, which marks Ron Randall's start with a league sharing penciling duties on this issue with Dan Jurgens. So we hope everyone goes out and enjoys Batman v Superman, and we hope this little podcast episode can help the wait seem just a little easier. And later in the episode, we'll share some of the great comments and feedback we've received since last time. But before we get started, let's have a brief introduction to Trekker Talk for those listening for the first time. This is a fan podcast. We're not affiliated with Ron Randall, and the opinions expressed are just ours. We do this podcast simply because we love reading and talking about Trekker and Ron Randall's other comics. For those of you unfamiliar with the comic, it's a fast-paced adventure series about bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair. She lives in the city of New Gellif on Earth in the 23rd century. The stories vary from star-spanning sci-fi adventures to dark noir mysteries set in the dangerous back streets of New Gellif. It's filled with action, adventure, science fiction, a fully realized world, and well-rounded and interesting characters. We enthusiastically encourage everyone to check it out. So please consider visiting TrekkerComic.com. That's Ron Randall's official site dedicated to Mercy St. Clair. It features a new page of Trekker material every Monday, making it easy to sample the many great things Trekker has to offer. You will also find links to all of the ways to follow Ron Randall on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. TrekkerComic.com also has a link to his Patreon page, where you can donate to help support the creation of brand new Trekker material if you want. Also at the Trekker Comic website, you will often find interesting posts on Thursdays. That's where Ron Randall occasionally shares key inspirations and insights into how he creates comics, as well as the latest news about Mercy St. Clair. Fans of The Flash will enjoy reading about how the science fiction story elements and art of Carmine Infantino on that series influenced Ron Randall's work. There are some great examples of the art in those books in his post, including a cityscape that provided some influence on the look of New Gallif. Ron Randall also has an email newsletter where he recently shared that the Rites of Passage trade paperback is now set for publication by Dark Horse Comics in December. 
It will include a few pages of all new content, some original sketch designs, and pinups by other artists. Now I know what I'll get Darren for Christmas. Ron Randall's upcoming convention appearances include Seattle's Emerald City Comic Con and Calgary Comic Expo, both in April. If you're planning to attend either of those cons, be sure to stop by his table. He's a true gentleman who's always happy to talk to his fans. Plus, he has a great selection of prints, and his con sketches are always amazing. I know this show is more fun for everyone when we hear from you. It's fun to share your comments, so please write in and let us know what you think about the stories or the art. We'd love to hear your thoughts. So stop by trekkertalk.com for links to all of our social media connections, or send us an email at trekkertalk at gmail.com, and we'll include your comments in a future episode. Justice League Spectacular. Teamwork. March 1992. This issue follows the events of the multi-part storyline Breakdowns, which culminated with the breakup of the League in Justice League America No. 60 and Justice League Europe No. 36. Written by Dan Jurgens and Gerard Jones. Pencils by Dan Jurgens and inks by Rick Burchett on pages 5 through 15, 28 through 30, 33 through 36, and 38. Pencils by Ron Randall and inks by Randy Elliott on pages 1 through 4, 16 through 27, 31 through 32, and 37. Letters by Bob Pinaha, colors by Gene D'Angelo, and edited by Brian Augustin. A group of European diplomats are visiting the Funny Stuff Park in Florida. There are amusement park rides and animal mascots all around. Ralph Dibney, a.k.a. Elongated Man, is seriously stretching his neck to get a good view of the surroundings. He is there on a diplomatic mission and is accompanied by his wife, Sue. A tour guide leads the group into a section of the park where characters are reenacting scenes from Alice in Wonderland when a group of card-themed characters suddenly start to charge toward the diplomats. It's the Royal Flush Gang, who have found a perfect use for their disguises. Elongated Man stretches and contorts his body to avoid several punches and multiple weapons, but is eventually struck by a laser beam and knocked out. The ambush was a success, and the diplomats are now hostages. Next, we cut to a skyscraper where Maxwell Lord is clenching his fists in frustration as he explains to Oberon that he hired the Royal Flush Gang to storm Funny Stuff Park in the hopes of creating a scene that would force the Justice League to once again join together, but he never expected the gang to take hostages. Meanwhile, Booster Gold stops by the cave that was the former hideout of the Justice League, where he finds Blue Beetle as hiding with his ship, the Bug. Blue Beetle is munching on chips and watching reruns of the Brady Bunch because he is distressed and depressed that the League has disbanded. Fire and Ice then stop by and walk in on Booster and Beetle fighting. Ice decides to sit down and watch the Brady Bunch when a reporter interrupts the show with the news that the Royal Flush Gang has taken over Funny Stuff Park. At the Daily Planet, Perry White is looking for Clark Kent, but is told that Clark is flying down to Florida to cover the hostage situation. On the roof, Clark is indeed preparing for flight, but as Superman. But then he is interrupted by Batman, who knew to expect to find him racing off to Florida. Batman wants Superman to reunite the Justice League and to lead the team, but Superman feels that he works best alone and flies off to rescue the hostages. But the Royal Flush Gang has been well-armed by a secret benefactor, and they blast Superman with a giant gamma blaster, and then a giant flying ace of spades card blasts Superman with a beam of piercing cold that knocks him unconscious. Oberon asks Maxwell Lord what he gave to the Royal Flush Gang, but he insists it wasn't him. Meanwhile, on board a yacht, a shadowed figure called the Weapons Master is discussing how the plan is going exactly as he'd hoped, 
and that the next phase called Operation Lantern will soon begin. Back in Florida, Fire and Ice, Booster Gold, and Blue Beetle are arriving at Funny Stuff Park, where they are surprised to see Power Girl and Metamorpho arriving as well. The League members find themselves at a serious disadvantage against the powerful weapons wielded by the Royal Flesh Gang and are trying to strategize when Green Lantern Guy Gardner flies in for an initially successful attack, only then to be knocked to the ground with another huge laser blast by the Royal Flesh Gang. As the battle rages on, we see a remote-controlled robot fly toward the unconscious Guy Gardner to retrieve his Green Lantern ring, but Booster Gold arrives just in time to destroy the robot and rescue him. Our heroes retreat as Booster Gold flies off with the unconscious Guy Gardner slung over one shoulder and ice over the other shoulder, while Power Girl is carrying Metamorpho and the Blue Beetle. The Royal Flush Gang takes a moment to celebrate their victory, and then some turn their attention to torturing Superman, while the other members begin to attack Blue Beetle's bug, where the League members are attempting to regroup. Inside the ship, Ice is holding Guy Gardner's ring to telepathically call out to Hal Jordan for assistance. Hal is on a mission in space, but realizes he is needed and so quickly flies back to Earth. He flies first to Paris and picks up the Crimson Fox, and stops at Big Belly Burgers to pick up Flash Wally West. Afterwards, he finds Aquaman and Dr. Light, who are helping to build a sub-oceanic farm. As this new group of heroes arrives at Funny Stuff Park, the Flash races through the Royal Flush Gang, quickly relieving them of their powerful weapons. All of our heroes rally with renewed force, and the team quickly defeat the Royal Flush Gang and free the diplomats. Back at Maxwell Lord's office, Oberon tells him he was lucky this time, but Max is just happy that the Justice League joined together in the battle. Meanwhile, on board the yacht, the shadowed figure of the weapons master seems satisfied with the way the events unfolded, and we see that his partner is an ambassador from the technologically advanced alien race known as the Dominators, who must have been the source of the powerful weapons given to the Royal Flesh Gang. Back at Funny Stuff Park, our heroes discuss the merits of reforming the League and decide to form two separate powerful teams, Justice League Europe and the Justice League of America, and the issue ends with a very happy Blue Beetle. This was a fun adventure and a perfect place to join the story of the reteamed Justice League as we get introduced to all of the relevant members of the team, some well-known and others a little more obscure. The issue features two covers with art by Dan Jurgens and Ron Randall, each featuring a different group of members of the Justice League racing into action. The two covers can be put together to form a single image featuring all of the League members. We'll post both covers on our Trek or Talk Facebook page and Twitter feed. Looking at the interior art, I must say that I love page 16. The layout of Blue Beetle's bug flying over the palm trees is terrific. It looks like it could fly off the page, and the very last panel with the headshot of ice is beautiful. The lines are confident, and there is an elegance on her face. It reminds me of the features of a certain 23rd century bounty hunter. Another favorite is page 25. The movement of Green Lantern and Crimson Fox is well done. I especially like the two horizontal panels in the middle of the page. One is of Green Lantern zipping through space, and the other is a cityscape view of a bridge across the River Seine in Paris. And the gargoyle at the bottom is terrific. And on page 29, Flash's speedy motions to grab the weapons and the elongated man knocking down the bad guys are well done. I'll point out a couple of the panels that I like as well. 
The scene at the top of page 18, where Blue Beetle tackles one of the royal flesh cards, who is at the same time also slipping on an ice blast from ice, is good fun. And the last panel of page 35 has a great sketch of Superman. It's a nice angle. I like it. Some of my favorite pages include page 25, which you also mentioned. I really like the way Crimson Fox swoops in over Paris. I also like the action sequences on pages 31 and 32. The composition of the panels and the variety of the panel layouts really help to convey the action. Being an Aquaman fan, I liked seeing him helping to build a sub-oceanic farm on page 27. That's a nice touch. And then the final two-page spread on pages 37 to 38 is another great view of all of the members of the League racing into action, similar to the combined view created by the two covers. I thought that was a great way to end the book. I agree. And there's nice art all of the way through the issue, and the styles of Ron Randall and Dan Jurgens complement each other well. We will continue to periodically follow the adventures of the Justice League Europe team with art by Ron Randall over time and hope that everyone enjoys these little tangent adventures intermixed with the adventures of Mercy St. Clair. Next up is Trekker Transmissions, where we share the listener feedback we've received since last time. We sincerely appreciate every message we receive and truly believe they add immeasurably to the show, so a big thanks to everyone who took the time to write in. Our friend Robert Pilk, who runs Mountain Empire Comics in Bristol, Virginia, which was the comic shop we frequented when we first started dating, and is the comic store where we bought Trekker issue number one off the shelf when it was brand new, wrote to tell us he recently attended Mysticon in Roanoke, Virginia, where he was able to meet George R.R. Martin. I'm sure that was amazing, and I'm very happy that Robert survived the experience, because you just never know what to expect from the writer of the Game of Thrones. Joe Crawford wrote about the last episode, Sins of the Father Part 2, saying, It was a great episode about one of my favorite Trekker stories. I also really enjoyed the Blade Runner discussion, and that Bradbury building sounds fascinating. And then he wrote back later to tell us that he downloaded the episode of the 99% Invisible podcast that we recommended about the Bradbury building. Brian Mulvey also sent comments about episode 14. He said, What a story, what artwork, and what a podcast. Great job again by the two finest Trekker files. Hey, is that a word? On this planet, and maybe in this galaxy. Going through the story with you two was as fun as always. Then came the wow moment when I took in the last panel and literally stopped, stared, and just drank it in. Stunning, and I agree with Ruth that it would make a fabulous print. I also think Ron went all out in his depiction of the alien landscapes and very otherworldly fauna. And Jeremy Colwell's perfect coloring of the alien sky was beautiful, and a perfect tone that makes it all the more alien. Colorists rarely get the praise they deserve in the comic business, so thank you for pointing out this major contribution to the story and others that he worked on. Well-deserved praise indeed. And thanks in part to The Yellow Sky, my favorite panel was the large one at the top of page 253 with Cart's ship taking off with Mercy and Angus powerless to stop him. Thanks, of course, to Ron Randall for his brilliant story and art, which is the reason for Trekker Talk. And speaking of colorist extraordinaire Jeremy Caldwell... He had a reason to celebrate recently when three different books that he colored were all released on the same new comic book day, including Top Cow's The Tithe and the second printings of DC's Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles numbers 1 and 2. We're sure Kyle Benning of the King Size Comics Giant Size Fun podcast, which occasionally features Turtle Tuesday episodes, will be interested in those issues. John Baker and Ruth Reese appreciated receiving their Trekker toast, and John said he enjoys being part of the fun discussions on Twitter. On social media, a group was considering the opportunities for a Mercy Meetup, which is the term Ruth Reese coined for a gathering of Trekker fans at a convention. When Ron Randall chimed in to say, 
That sounded better than a scuff scuffle. There were lots of laughs all around over that one, and Brian dubbed Ron the king of the one-liners. And we were all left to wonder what a treat a short side story titled The Scuff Scuffle could be. Just imagine Scuff the Doc stirring in his own little adventure. And speaking of scuff, Ron Randall recently posted a gorgeous page featuring Mercy and Molly to celebrate International Women's Day. And he included a comment saying, when we have an International Docs Day, Scuff will get his own post, of course. I posted back that I noticed Scuff still found a way to make an appearance on the page celebrating International Women's Day while he waits for International Docs Day. To which Ron Randall replied, Well, Scuff is a shameless show-off, no question. He will grab the spotlight at the slightest chance. I shudder to think of his behavior on a day when he is actually encouraged to be the center of attention. We shared a post on Facebook recently to celebrate the anniversary of the great sci-fi comedy series Red Dwarf, and many of our friends chimed in to say that they liked the show as well, including Ron Randall himself. Very cool indeed. On Ron Randall's Patreon site, I enjoyed his reply to a post by Badger Mushroom. There, Ron shared ideas about some similarities between the art of comics and the art of filmmaking. Definitely worth reading. Also on Patreon, Ron Randall shared his thoughts about one of the early pages in the current story, Chapel Town, where he said, The artist in me is never in favor of long-winded, talk-filled pages, but the writer in me feels they are occasionally necessary and even helpful to the story in building tone and fleshing out character and nuance. I posted a comment saying, Reading this summary made me think of those fun old cartoons where a little angel sits on one shoulder and a little demon sits on the other shoulder. Except in your case, it's a little writer on one shoulder and a little artist on the other shoulder. And Ron replied, That's kind of what it feels like sometimes. I'll be writing a big speech, and the artist's voice will start saying, I'm going to have to leave a lot of room for that, you know. Can't you trim all that copy down some, pal? And the writer will reply, No, this is all excellent and absolutely necessary. What would you know anyway? You're just the artist. It's a never-ending struggle. Thank you, Ron Randall, for taking the time to share great, fun conversations like those. For a recent Throwback Thursday, Ron Randall tweeted a beautiful commission of the warlord, Travis Morgan. Our worlds collided there since we have been covering the warlord and other Mike Grell comics on our podcast, Warlord Worlds. For those of you who don't know, Ron Randall was the artist on the series Barren Earth, which was a backup feature in the warlord from issues 63 through 88 followed by a four-issue miniseries titled Conqueror of the Barren Earth. Ron then went on to be the regular artist on The Warlord later in its run. The Barren Earth is an excellent series featuring another strong female character and was written by Gary Cohn and edited by Laurie Sutton. Joe Crawford of the Non-Discerning Readers blog posted a photo and comments about Barren Earth that generated some great comments by both Gary Cohn and Ron Randall. Ron Randall said it was his first major work in comics in the mid-1980s and was tons of fun to collaborate with Gary Cohn on his vivid and groundbreaking epic. This series had just about everything the 10-year-old boy and me loved in comics, plus a great story to satisfy the adult fan in me as well, so actually a whole lot like Trekker in many ways. In reply to one of Joe's questions, Gary Cohn explained that the Conqueror of the Barren Earth miniseries picked up from the back issues in The Warlord and added that he and Ron planned to wrap up the whole thing with a second miniseries titled Empire of the Barren Earth that sadly wasn't published. Joe replied that he now has a fun project to track down more back issues. We're going to cover the Barren Earth once we catch up to the current Trekker stories. We're planning to cover the backup stories and the miniseries over several episodes, but we have lots of Trekkers still to cover first. Brian Mulvey made a recent discovery when he picked up the original art to a comic splash page by Ron Randall, but Brian didn't recognize the characters, and the dealer who sold it wasn't familiar with the characters either. So being curious, Brian snapped a photo of it and sent it to Ron Randall, asking if he could identify it. Ron let him know that it was for an obscure book titled Xander and the Lost Universe, 
from Techno Comics back in the 1990s. The piece was intended to be used as a poster or a cover, but the series and the company folded before it could be printed. Ashford, who co-hosts the new Birds of Prey podcast, Feathers and Foes, with Leah, let us know that he checked out our very first episode and enjoyed it so much that he then bought the Trekker Omnibus so he could read along with the episodes. That was fantastic news. Welcome to Trekker Fandom, Ashford, and we sincerely hope you enjoy the comics and the podcast. The Feathers and Foes podcast is great fun for Birds of Prey fans, and we encourage everyone to check it out, and you'll hear a promo for it later in the episode. Ron Randall teased some exciting news recently when he tweeted a photo of some artwork he's doing for two upcoming issues of Astro City. Of course, that was of interest to us as well as to Dr. G, Man of Nerdology, at the Pulped Pixel podcast, which features the show Welcome to Astro City, where they cover that excellent comic series. Dr. G is a great friend and supporter of Trekker Talk, and we're certain that the crew at Pulp to Pixel will do a fabulous job covering those issues on a future episode of their podcast, and we'll be sure to let our listeners know when they cover it. All of that Astro City news led to a series of exchanges among us, Dr. G, and Ron Randall about our excitement over the creator of Trekker working on Astro City. That culminated in a quote from Ron Randall saying, Ain't it sweet when things like that line up, which prompted Dr. G to tweet a gif of George Prepard from the A-Team saying, I love it when a plan comes together. That in turn prompted me to reply that my favorite role of George Pappard's was from the TV series Banachek. For those of you unfamiliar with the series, George Pappard played a restoration specialist who investigated baffling cases for insurance companies. These were high-concept mysteries, and examples of cases included a prototype car that vanished from a moving train, a giant three-ton sculpture that vanished from a museum, and a priceless book that vanished from a sealed display case. The series aired back in the 1970s and was part of the rotating mystery movies that included shows like Columbo, McLeod, and Macmillan and Wife. Banachek was a critical and rating success, but ended abruptly after only two seasons because George Prepard quit the series because he was going through a difficult divorce at the time. So the series isn't rerun very often since there aren't very many episodes. But thankfully, it was released on DVD a few years ago, and we were able to add it to our collection. Our friend Martin Gray, who runs the blog Too Dangerous for a Girl, then joined in the conversation, asking if, after we rewatched Banachek, if we were planning to watch Heck Ramsey. That was a blast from the past and a reference to another one of those rotating mystery movies that featured Richard Boone as a detective in the Old West. As we exchanged messages with Martin, he commented that as a kid, he got Heck Ramsey confused with Jonah Hex, which I responded would have made a crossover worthy of coverage on his Too Dangerous blog, to which he responded he would have covered it if it existed. The exchange caught the attention of publisher Bear Manor Media, and they tweeted to us that they have a book about the making of the Banachek TV series that is available for pre-order. So I quickly ordered that book, and I'm looking forward to reading it in the near future. Isn't it amazing how so many different threads can intersect? We want to extend our Trekker thanks to everyone who supported us on social media since the last episode. These are people who favorited or retweeted our tweets from at TrekkerTalk or liked our Facebook or Tumblr pages. Thanks to everyone who took the time to share news about Trekker Talk with others. Your support really helps draw attention to the show and, best of all, helps others discover Trekker. So before we start, let us say if we miss a name, please let us know and we'll correct it in the next episode. And also, forgive us if we mispronounce your name. Just email us and let us know. We'd be happy to correct that next episode as well. Aaron Scott, Alexander Didymus. Ange of the Supergirl Comic Box Commentary Blog. Ashford of Feathers and Foes, the Birds of Prey Podcast. BC Fan 101, Brad Guthrie, Brian Daniel, Brian Mulvey, Captain Marvel 75, Carlos Raphael, 
Carolyn Wallace, Chris Mounts, Clinton Robson of Coffee and Comics Blog, Corey Hodgton, Cullen Stapleton, David Durrell, David Joel, Diablo Frank of the Idlehead of Diablo Martian Manhunter Blog, Dr. G, Man of Nerdology of the Pulp to Pixel Podcast, Drunken Dork Podcast, Ed Terry and Nick Moore of Till Productions, Gene Hendricks of The Hammer Strikes, Gus Ceballos from the Mike Grell Facebook page, Jason Adams, Jason Them, Jeff Messer of the Geek Brain Podcast, Jeremy Colwell, Colorist Du Jour, Joe Crawford of the blog for the Non-Discerning Reader, John Baker, Karim Ahmed Hamden, Karen Williams of the Between the Pages blog, Keith Thurman, Kyle Benning of King Size Comics Giant Size Fun, Laura Toledo, Lori Sutton, former DC editor and writer of You Choose Adventure Books, Let's Talk Shazam, Lori Parker, Luds Komani, Mark Maldonado, Martin Gray of the blog Too Dangerous, Melanie Villegas, Michael Tagliofero, Michael Chen, Mike Hall, Pablo Ventura, Patrick Daly, the great team at Periscope Studios, Peter Janch, Professor Allen of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network, Ralph Tidings, Rob Lance, Robert Pilk, Rolled Spine Podcast, Ron and Lynn Randall, Ruth Reese, Ryan Daly of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, Scott Eos, Shag Matthews of Firestorm Fan, Shazam Cast, Slavi Stranjev, Son of Cthulhu of the Crap Box of Son of Cthulhu blog, Sunshine St. John, Superman Captain Marvel, Tim Wallace of Cord Industries, the Blue Beetle blog, Tony Greenall, Vionne Burroughs, and Warren Montgomery of Will Lil Comics. And we'll be back after we play a couple of promos from other podcasts you may enjoy. Don't call them babes. Definitely don't call them broads. But can we call them birds? Welcome to Feathers and Foes, a Birds of Prey podcast where we will explore the tales of the femme fatales. Superman flies above you. Aquaman rules below you. But the birds stand with you. Feathers and Foes. I'm your host, Ashford. And in the studio with me is Leah. Hello. Whoa, it's Black Canary. Did you call me a broad? No, 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 no. I, I, I said don't call them broads or babes. So you're saying I'm not a babe? I don't know. I, I don't know if you're a babe or not. I don't see you as an objectified, one-dimensional character with no agency. I see you as a well-rounded person with hopes and desires, and you get along with women that are like you and not like you. There's no need for two competing superheroes who happen to be women to uh, find the need to compete against each other. Let us celebrate all of them. Look, I listen to your podcast. You like the Huntress more than you like me. She's not even in the original lineup. Come on, Canary. Stop gatekeeping. That's Black Canary to you. And stop saying hot topic buzzwords like you think you'll make people believe you're a forward-thinking man. Yes, ma'am. You can listen and subscribe to Feathers and Foes on iTunes. Contact Ashford, Leah, and Mark on Twitter at Feathers and Foes. Justice League International, Blah Ha Ha Podcast, a new monthly show chronicling the adventures of the JLI era by Keith Giffen and J.M. DeMatteis. We'll be going issue by issue, in release order, tackling the core Justice League title, Justice League Europe, and the quarterly book. Along the way, we'll take time out for special episodes covering various spin-offs, cartoon appearances, the infamous TV pilot, and much more. So join me in an ever-changing roster of guest hosts as we celebrate your favorite JLI members, such as... Martian Manhunter, Batman, Dr. Fate, Black Canary, Fire, Ice, Maxwell Lord, Oberon, Captain Marvel, Rocket Red, Captain Adam, Mr. Miracle, 
Guy Gardner, Booster Gold, Blue Beetle, Nort, and many, many more. Justice League International, Blah Ha Podcast, coming March 2016 as part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Want to make something of it? It's time for What's Up, when we talk about other things going on outside the world of Trekker. Just a few days ago, Google was celebrating the birthday of theremin virtuoso Clara Rockmore. It's an amazing-sounding electronic instrument that's really not like anything else. It can sound like stringed instruments, or an opera singer, or make eerie out-of-this-world sound effects like those used in many science fiction movies. I especially like that the Google Doodle taught you how to play a simple song on the instrument. It was really fun. If you didn't get a chance to see it, it's available if you go to the Doodles archive at google.com. It also reminded us of when we were able to see theremin expert Eric Ross perform live at the local North Carolina Museum of Art a few years ago. It was an outdoor performance where he demonstrated how the instrument worked and then gave a short concert. Afterwards, the museum showed the classic sci-fi film The Day the Earth Stood Still on their giant outdoor movie screen, while Eric Ross performed the sound effects for the movie live during the screening. It was a great event and a nice memory. Spring is starting to show up, and we recently had a very beautiful and warm weekend and went downtown for a nice walk and finished the day off by seeing the new Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon sequel titled Sword of Destiny. We've long been fans of this genre of high-fantasy, action-adventure martial arts films and particularly enjoyed the first Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon. The movies are based on a series of five novels that are collectively called the Crane Iron series, and the stories span several generations. The first movie was based on the fourth book in the series, which was also titled Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. The second movie is based on the fifth and final book, and the working title during production was the title of the book, which is Iron Knight, Silver Vase. And if you see the movie, you will understand the reason for that title. However, it was decided to change the title for the film's release to make it clear that it was a sequel. We thoroughly enjoyed the movie. It was filled with beautiful scenery and wonderful choreography. It's a more straightforward adventure than the first film, but it's still equally enjoyable. The movie has apparently gotten a bit of criticism, especially in China. The film is a co-production between American and Chinese companies, but it was filmed in English and then dubbed into Mandarin, which has not gone over well in China. In addition, the beautiful scenery seen throughout the film has been equally criticized in China, because the movie was not filmed in China. Instead, all of that beautiful scenery is in fact New Zealand. Being huge fans of The Lord of the Rings, we went to New Zealand several years ago using red carpet tours, which features a two-week tour of both the North and South Islands. The country is even more beautiful than we had imagined. We like to travel, but we don't have a lot of money for travel, so we're what you would call budget travelers. We travel during the off-season when everything is cheaper. We use air miles for our flights. We always fly coach. We stay in discount hotels. We use public transportation. We don't buy souvenirs. All of that makes our travels much less expensive. But we splurged a little on the New Zealand trip because we really wanted to take the red carpet tour because of our love of the Lord of the Rings films. And we wanted to see as many of the filming locations as possible, many of which are quite remote and some are on private property not open to the public. The red carpet tour includes stops along the way at many of the country's most spectacular vistas, including Milford Sound, Mount Cook, Hookah Falls, and many beautiful lakes, rivers, and forests. We especially enjoyed Mount Sunday, the location of Edoras, and Mata Mata, which is the filming location for Hobbiton. It was a wonderful two-week tour that we would recommend to any fan of the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit movies, and we would love to be able to go again sometime. But getting back to Sword of Destiny, we thoroughly enjoyed the film and would recommend it to anyone who enjoyed the original Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon movie. 
We hope everyone enjoyed spending some time with us and the Justice League, and we hope you'll come back next month when we return to the world of Ron Randall's Trekker. Before we go, we want to provide you with our contact information. Please let us know your thoughts through email, Facebook, or Twitter. Also, if you like the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. That's a terrific way to help get the show noticed and perhaps attract more listeners to grow Trekker fandom. And please consider subscribing to the show so you always know when there's a new episode. We'd love to hear from you. So if you want to contact us directly, send us an email at trekkertalk at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr using the name Trekker Talk. You can always visit trekkertalk.com for links to those social media pages. And if you use hashtag trekkercomic and hashtag trekkertalk in your messages, it will help other fans find and follow the conversation. For those of you interested in the music that Ron Randall listens to while working on Trekker, he uses the hashtag Trekker Soundtrack. Remember, at trekkercomic.com, you'll find a new page every Monday, as well as links to all of the ways you can find Ron Randall, and he often responds to posts on his Facebook page and on his Patreon site. So post to his pages and let him and other fans know what you think of his new Trekker material. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll come back next month for another new episode of Trekker Talk. Talk is not affiliated with DC Comics or Ron Randall. The views expressed on the show are solely ours. Music is taken from the album Royalty Free Music, Movies, and Videos from the Royalty Free Music Club. Sound effects are taken from the albums Hollywood Sound Effects Volume 4, Space Weapons and Lasers, Number One Sound Effects for Movies, TV, and Websites, Ultimate Sound Effects Collection, Sound Effects Library Volume 1, and Cartoon Sound Effects. We make no money from this podcast, and no copyright infringement is intended. (laughs) 